Right, thank you, thank you. Well, before we get into this morning's service, uh, which uh, I'm really excited to have my beautiful wife be sharing the message this morning, um, I wanted to do a little bit of family business here, uh, just give you guys an announcement of something to come next week. So uh, many of you know that we are part of the Foursquare Church denomination. And what I love about our Foursquare covering is in our polity, the way this leadership structure works is that there are two uh, groups of people that really help me and support me, both in the spiritual formation of the church and also the business side of the church. I really appreciate that about our movement here. And, uh, and so what that looks like is that I have a church council and I have a church staff. Our church staff, they, they are appointed and they're hired on to support me with the pastoral care and the spiritual leadership. But I also have a church council who comes alongside me, helps me with, with the business side of the church. And, and there are special people. There are six seats in our church council. And really the way I like to do the makeup of it is I like to take people in our demographics here and I like to let them represent you. Every couple years, we select a new uh, member, and we transition another one out. So this year, this time, we're actually transitioning one in. And so it's really exciting for me to introduce uh, this person to you. This is Amber Burnett. I know they're here, Amber and her family. Woo-hoo! Can you stand up so that people can see? <laughs> Amber and her husband, JC, and their son, McAllister, they've been part of our Grace Church community for over seven years. Uh, they serve in different capacities, different areas. Um, currently, Amber is uh, serving as one of our connection team leads. Uh, so you probably seen her face. She's probably one of the first people that greeted you as you walked in. And uh, we're real excited about bringing her on. And so what we do is that we ask you as a congregation to ratify the vote. So next week, we'll have a, a, just a little ballot in the seat back in front of you. And if you're a member here at Grace Church, and maybe you want to talk about more about this whole church council, maybe you have questions about membership, will you email me at omar at gcfw.org? I'd be happy to respond uh, this week and let you know, get you some understanding of why we do what we do and how we do it. Uh, but next week, uh, we'll, we'll ask you as members of Grace Church to go ahead and ratify this vote so that we can bring her on on church council so that we could have a full, complete church council. Is that good? Yeah. Thank good. you so much for letting me have a moment to share that news with you. And uh, now I'm going to pass it on to Misty. All right. Thanks, baby. Well, good morning, church. Like Omar said, my name is Misty, and I get the pleasure, the honor of um, leading with Omar and, and our amazing staff here at Grace Church. And um, like Omar said, well, everybody said, happy Mother's Day. Um, it is a special day, but I want you to know that we know that a day like this can come with lots of different emotions. And for some, this is a hard day. And we want you to know that this is a safe place, that you are loved, that we've been praying for you throughout this week. And the message today isn't just for moms, so dads, you're good, okay? This isn't an opportunity for you to check out and be on your phone this morning. Uh, but my hope is that, that every single one of you this morning will grab on to something from the Word of God that can be transforming to you. Um, if you've been with us over the last four weeks, we've been in our relationship series. How many of you have enjoyed this series? It has been so good. And I don't know about you, but if you have not gotten into the book of Genesis, let me tell you, you need to. There is so much more than what you are hearing on a Sunday morning. In fact, I'm pretty confident that every daytime and nighttime soap opera 
is from the plot of Genesis. So there is nothing new happening in 2019 that did not happen in the book of Genesis. So I encourage you to get into it, read it. Um, but we're gonna take just a little bit um, of the passage today and really look at how we can learn from uh, these men and women in the context of relationships in our life today. And this whole series has got me really thinking about a time in Omar and I's life uh, when we first started full-time ministry together. And what I mean by that is that we were both hired at a church, and so therefore not only did we um, you know, live life together in our home, but we would wake up, drive to work together, and share an office together, and lead together. This isn't something that's easy. You might think it's easy, but you get two strong leaders together that are together 24 hours a day, and there's gonna be some friction. So we've had to learn a lot about conflict over the last 10 years. And in the beginning of this, that was probably about 13 years ago when that journey started. And at this specific church that we were at, something that one of the elders of the church would do when there was a new staff that was brought on to uh, the church is he would spend some time praying about um, that person and ask the Lord for prophetic words for their name. And with that, he would also get them a sword. And I mean, these swords are pretty amazing. Like, like the swords that you see in war, you know, like old school, like you could put it on the wall, right? And some of the guys would get like these big swords and some of the women had like these nice, shorter swords. I don't know much about swords, but they were cool, right? So I saw the different staff members and their swords and it's Omar and I's turn to be presented with our sword and it's a very special staff meeting. We're in a circle and I'm sitting there like, oh, I can't wait to see my sword. It's gonna be so cool. I'm gonna get a shelf to put it on and it's gonna remind me of this awesome thing, whatever he's gonna tell me. And he begins to talk about us, uh, each individually and then together. And I'm like, but where's my sword? Like, I want my sword. Then he pulls out not just one, but two fencing swords. <laughs> and I was like, you know that moment where you're expecting something really awesome? And then you open it and you're like, and you have to put your acting face on? And I was like, oh, cool. But he began to talk about the fact that Omar and I have a very special, unique calling that we are both called and we are partners. And that in this season, we are going to learn to handle conflict in a way that is gonna produce so much fruit. And that has stuck with us because, as you can see, we still do ministry together. We still work together. I'm just gonna set these right here. I'm gonna use them. No, 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 they're gonna stay right here. <laughs> We're still learning. In fact, one of the ways that we're still learning is we just recently decided to coach a soccer team together, and you get two competitive people coaching six-year-olds that we really want them to win. They just wanna have fun and do twirls and play with the grass. So again, we are still learning how to do this thing together. But through this whole series and through Genesis, 
it has reminded me how important it is to have the tools and resources when we are in relationship. And the truth is we're always in relationship, right? There's going to be conflict. One of the main themes that you've heard Omar say often in these last few weeks is per perfect circumstances do not create healthy relationships. Good choices create healthy relationships. Take a drink. <clears throat> so I encourage you to listen to the podcast because we're going through Genesis and, you, and there's so much that built up to today that you need to listen to the other series and you might even be reminded of some things, um, the other messages. You might be reminded of some things today that the Lord has spoken to you throughout this that you already forgot. But I encourage you to really Take to heart what is being taught here. Um, so here we are, and I'm looking at these fencing swords, and I did a little bit of research on fencing. I quickly learned that it is a very precise sport. Does anybody have any experience with fencing? So, oh, Carmen Keeter? Awesome. That is so cool. I want to hear more. Okay, so... But there's something about fencing. I need, Omar, can you come up here for a minute? You didn't know I was gonna do this. Okay, I want you to listen, pick up a sword. Okay, uh, you gotta follow these instructions, okay? The elbows, the elbows must be on a line of an equal height to one shoulder. May not be higher than the other, the left hand must be over against the top of the ear. The hilt of the sword a little above the hip. You're pretty cute. You're pretty cute. The thumb, the thumb must be extended. There we go. Pressing the middle of the eye of the hilt. Do you even know what the hilt is on the sword? Yeah, okay, you're done. Good job. Let's give him a round of applause. Okay. So that's just one description, one description of how you need to stand, right? There's a description like that for every single part of your body in the sport of fencing. It's pretty crazy. I learned quickly that if I was to take up this sport with our awesome fencing swords that we were given, that my master would probably respectfully ask me to, to quit. <laughs> However, Thankfully, we can learn so much in, about relationships and about conflict and how to get through conflict well. So if you have your notebook with you, anybody bring notes, write notes at church these days? I encourage you to do that. Or maybe on your bulletin, I want you to write three words and then we're gonna pray. I want you to write the words trust, jealousy, and envy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that you never stop speaking. God, that your word is alive and it is for us today. And God, I ask that we would hear you, that our hearts would be open to receive, that we would receive your word and we would not walk away and forget it, but that we would allow your word to transform our life. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen. All right. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open it to the book of Genesis. Shouldn't take very long. It's the first book. Okay, chapter 16. Now we see throughout Genesis that the root of many 
Many conflicts in the context of family relationships comes from jealousy, envy, broken trust. Not all conflict that we will deal with comes from that, but most of it. And I want you to know that I didn't pick this specific passage that we're gonna read about because it's Mother's Day. It just happened to be where we fell in this series. But we are gonna look at some women this morning and how they handled conflict. See, it all started with Eve. Eve wanted what she couldn't have. She wanted what was not hers. She wanted to know things that she was never meant to know. Genesis 3.6 says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Now we already know from the previous sermons what happened, right? Humankind now experienced shame. They experienced what sin is. They experienced being separated from God. They experienced the first sacrifice of an animal, the first shedding of blood. They began to learn that hard, hard lesson, being exposed to good and evil. So now we're gonna fast forward to Eve's great, 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 great grandson. See, theologians believe that from the time that Adam and Eve were created to when we're introduced to Abram, that there was about 2,000 years in between. That is a lot of years of customs that were built, social traditions, right? A lot of culture now that we have no, there, it's silent. There's not a lot there, but a lot has happened in that time. So here we are, and we see in that short, silent time that a lot of division was created because sin creates division. God creates unity. And here we are introduced to a man, to a man named Abram, and Abram finds himself a wife named Sari. Now, we're only gonna talk about a little bit of their story, but again, I can't emphasize this enough. You need to read Genesis. If you haven't done it, do it. You will learn so much more. But I'm gonna summarize this couple's story for the sake of time this morning. Abram and Sari wanted children. Now, in these days, see, when Omar preached about Noah, we learned that Noah was 600 years old before he had a kid. Well, fast forward 2,000 years, that's not the lifespan anymore. Abram and Sari were 80s, 90s, 100 when we're reading about them, okay? And, and this is old. Like, it's like Sari saying, I want a baby, I still don't have a baby, I'm 85, 90 years old. It's like Aunt Sari right now in our days, who's 85, saying, I want a baby, I'm gonna have a baby, and we're saying, yeah, that's not gonna happen, okay? So we need to understand that this is just like our age today. So here they are. God had promised them a child. In fact, God didn't just promise them a child, but God promised them that nations would come from them. And here they are, too old to have a baby. Sari is looking at her husband and thinking, I'm not able to give him 
what he wants. I'm not able to give him descendants. And she gets this great idea of giving her maid to her husband to sleep with and become his wife and have a baby through her. Now, as you can imagine, that might not go so well. But we find Sari in this position feeling like that's the only way. And just so you know, like I said, in that 2,000-year time span, some customs were made, some social uh, things that were appropriate, and that was one of them. Now, we learn later on that obviously that didn't work very well. That was not God's way. And we see the repercussions of going outside of God's will and how that affects them. So here, Sari says to Abram, hey, I want you to sleep with my wife. Now, or I want you to sleep with my maid and make her your wife. Now, we have to realize that this maid, her name was Hagar, was a lot younger. She was still in childbearing years. So that means she probably had a lot less wrinkles, a lot less sagginess, a lot less gray hair, okay? So Abram's like, okay, no problem. I'll do that, right? He didn't really say that, but it does say he just said, okay. So here they are. And how do we think that turns out for Sari? Let's read. See, Sari thought that the perfect circumstance would create the perfect family. Genesis 16, verse 1, it says, Sari, Abram's wife, hadn't yet produced a child. She had an Egyptian maid named Hagar. Sari said to Abram, God has not seen fit to let me have a child. Sleep with my maid. Maybe I can get a family from her. Abram agreed to do what Sari said. So Sari, Abram's wife, took her Egyptian maid, Hagar, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife. Abram had been living 10 years in Canaan when this took place. He slept with Hagar, and she got pregnant. When Hagar learned she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress. So here we see that Sari thought, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna get this baby, we're gonna raise this family together. But then her maid gets pregnant and her maid is like, yep, now I have something you don't have. So now Sari is not only envious of the fact that Hagar can have a child and she's going to have a child, but now she's jealous also of what she's gonna have with her husband. Sari realizes this isn't my baby. Can you imagine the love triangle going on right here? Okay, like just picture it. How would this go down in your home? How did Sari handle it? She picked up her fencing sword and she started circling her husband. There was no form, there was no realizing maybe that I jumped the gun or I moved too fast, but she started blaming her husband. She started pointing the finger. We'll read in Genesis that she tells him, now look, you did this, now look, what are we gonna do? See, one of the first signs of jealousy is that we start pointing the finger. It's not our fault, it's someone else's fault. Who are you pointing the finger at today? Your spouse, your boss, your parents, your siblings, your friends, 
your ex. More than likely, if we don't deal with the root of what's going on inside of us, even if that person that you're blaming repents, even if they ask for forgiveness and they do everything right that they know to do, you'll still keep pointing the finger because only you can control what you do with jealousy and envy. Siri told Abram, it's all your fault that I'm suffering this abuse. I put my maid in bed with you, and the minute she knows she's pregnant, she treats me like I'm nothing. May God decide which one of us is right. Now, imagine Abram at this point. He's like, I did what you told me to do, and you're still not happy. Anybody ever had a conversation like that in their home? It's amazing how real the Bible is, right? So here they are with their swords and they're just swinging them everywhere. <clears throat> so you know what Abram says? He says, you decide. Your maid is your business. He said, I'm out of it. I'm out of it. The last verse says, so Sari was abusive to Hagar and Hagar ran away. Now the thing about Hagar, she ran away, but God did get a hold of her. God took care of Hagar. He sent her back to Sari and he blessed her, but that doesn't mean it was easy. Sari continued to abuse. It was very hard for Hagar, but we see throughout this story and that you will read if you read Genesis that God blessed Hagar, and he blessed that child. And this is important for someone to hear today. No matter who your mother is, no matter who your father is, we learn from Hagar that God will bless. God will keep his promise. When we run to him, we will receive that blessing. We will receive that truth. Now, not only did God bless Hagar, but we also read later on, about 14 years later, that God's promise to Sarah and Abraham, now Sarah and Abraham, was fulfilled through a son named Isaac. So Sarah did get pregnant. She did have a baby. God kept his promise. But see, what we have now is two mama bears and one papa bear. Can you imagine what that would be like in your home? Think for a minute. It would not go well. So at this point, Hagar did leave, but God still kept his promise, and he took care of Hagar, and he took care of her son, Ishmael. And then we move forward in Genesis a little bit longer, and we see the same thing happen with Isaac's son, Jacob, except it, for this time, it's not just a servant and the wife, but it's sisters and their servants. Imagine the family affair taking place there, okay? The jealousy. Then we see from that, that's where Joseph comes into the picture. And what was the big part? You'll hear later on, Omar's gonna preach about Joseph, but jealousy. We see it passed down from generation to generation to generation. Now eventually God said, enough is enough, and that's when the Ten Commandments got brought in. He said, these people, these humans that I created need some guidelines. This is not going well. But we need to see, and they needed to see, that their actions affect the families for generations to come. 
Jealousy has the power to grow and grow and grow. Have you ever found yourself so irritated at someone that you couldn't even stand their breathing? Like you're standing next to them and you're like, just trying to hold it together, you know? I know I'm not the only one that's ever felt this way. (laughs) So in the season of Omar and I beginning to learn how to lead together, work together, live together, we brought in an intern and this intern started doing um, some really great things and I was able to delegate a lot of the things that I was doing and she was like doing awesome at it. And I found myself like not being able to stand her very much (laughs) and like, okay, I'm ready for the intern to go, you know, but yes, she's doing so great. And Omar and I were in one of our discussions and went into a utility closet, which happened to be our kitchen. Let me tell you, we are blessed with our kitchen here at Grace Church. Um, And we're in this closet and we're having a discussion, a nice conflict discussion. And I'm telling him that it really offended me that he gave away something that I was supposed to do to this intern. And he looked at me and he said, Misty, I think you're jealous. And at that moment, I could have picked up the sword and started swinging it, you know. But the Holy Spirit used Omar to speak truth into my heart. And I had a moment, I had a opportunity to make a choice, to recognize what was stirring up inside of me and put it away, put it where it belongs, which is not to be part of my life and part of my relationship with this person, or I could have continued, and believe me, I would have been miserable. But see, God will put people in our life to speak truth to us, to call out those things inside of us that are affecting our relationships. We need to be able to look at the root of what is really going on. Why am I so irritated with this person? Why can I not stand this person? Why does their breathing make me want to run away? But those, that's real life, right? We find ourselves there. Jealousy makes us crazy. James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Proverbs 14.30 says, a tranquil heart gives life to flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. James 3.14-15 says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That is how serious jealousy is. We must recognize it so that we have the power to remove it from our relationships. So how do we protect our heart, our life, our family from jealousy and envy? We need to understand it. The main difference between envy and jealousy is that envy is the emotion of coveting what someone else has, while jealousy is the emotion to fear that something you have will be taken away by someone else. They're often intertwined together. I believe that we can draw four truths from the word today to protect us from falling into jealousy or to help us to get out of this trap. 
The first thing we need to do is we need to examine our heart. How do we examine our heart? Well, we need to know the word. We need to be able to lay the word over our heart, to look at scripture and line it up with our heart. And are we in alignment with the word of God? We need to be able to stop blaming other people and realize that it starts with us. Do your thoughts and actions reflect the word of God? The only way we'll be able to fight through this jealousy, remember what the word said, it's demonic. It is spiritual battle. We need the Holy Spirit to fight through it. This isn't new. Since Eve, this has been the battle. The second thing we need to do is we need to stop comparing, period. If you compare, you will want. You will want what is not yours. Eve compared her knowledge to God's knowledge. Sari compared her body, what she had to offer to Hagar's body. Think about it. Why are your finances a mess? More than likely, you bought something you should have never have bought. You started comparing what others had, started comparing what you have and don't have. Why do we look at porn? Why would you look at porn? Because you want something you don't have. Why would a married person linger a little bit longer with their coworker? Because they want something they don't have. And see, if we give room to these little things that seem little, they will grow, and they will grow, and they will grow. Envy, jealousy, lust, discontentment, they all go in the same family of something that leads to hatred, bitterness, judgment, attitudes, depression. We have to stop comparing. Stop looking at what you don't have and look at what you do have. Take time and start praising God for the things that you have. Count your blessings. If social media is a way for you to start being envious and start wanting things that you can't have, then get off social media. If there's relationships that you find yourself fantasizing about, then cut those relationships off. You don't need them in your life. It will lead down a path that you do not want to go. The third thing that we need to do is we need to trust the Lord. God made promises to these women, every one of them. And you know what? He kept those promises. Even through sin, he kept his promise. When we're not faithful, he is still faithful. How do we trust someone? It doesn't happen automatically, right? It takes time. It takes time. It takes work. It takes a relationship. Jesus wants a relationship with us. But we have to be willing to put the work in. We have to be willing to wake up in the morning and say, God, not my will, but your will. God, 
Check me. Show me the ways in my life. Show me what I need to surrender to you. And if you don't know where to start, open the word. Read Psalms. Read about Jesus, and you will begin to see that you can trust him. You will begin to see that there is a relationship. The Holy Spirit will begin to help you understand things that you don't understand. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. See, it's easy for us to forget that God's ways are not our ways. God doesn't need the internet. He doesn't need credit cards. He doesn't need an Instapot. We're so used to things happening or making things happen. But God says in Isaiah 55, eight through nine, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We have this temptation to speed things up, to make things happen. Sari didn't see it possible that she would have a baby. All odds were against her, even though God spoke that this would happen. So she took matters into her own hands. It wasn't happening on her timeline. We need to remember, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He wants us to slow down. There are things that we need to learn in the waiting that's going to prepare us to receive that promise. If we rush it, we'll miss out on lots of things that are part of that promise. And that leads us to the final point for today, which is wait. See, there's a reason that babies take 10 months to grow in the womb. Not only does that child grow, but the mother's body is preparing to be able to allow a child to come into this world. It is a process. There are two things that are happening when a mother is pregnant. The baby is getting ready, the mother is getting ready. And then it doesn't stop there. We have to wait 18 to 22 years or maybe even longer for them to fly the coop. But there's this process, there's this waiting that God has designed. And he created us in this manner for a reason. See, yes, he created Adam from dust, right? He became a man. But his design for procreation had so much more promise intertwined in the process of waiting, growing. And so often, because it's not easy to grow, because it's painful, we take matters into our own hands 
and we try to force things to happen in our timeline and not God's timeline. Friends, let me remind you that some of the best meat is meat that's smoked for a long time. The best wine is wine that stands for a long time. The best fruits and vegetables are ones that grow naturally. Do we see God in all of these things? How long does it take for a tiny little tree to be strong and tall and huge and fierce? God is not a God that wants us to just go through things like this, but he wants us to slow down, to simmer, to trust the process, to lean into the process, to lean into his promise. And let me tell you that often the reason we don't wait, the reason we don't trust is because of envy and jealousy. Because we want something that we don't have. And that maybe was never even meant for you to have. Eve and Sari, along with many other women in Genesis, didn't wait. They caused a lot of heartache. They caused a lot of heartache on their family because they tried to do it their own way. My challenge to us today is to learn from their heartache. Do you ever tell people that are younger than you, I don't want you to learn the hard way. I want you to learn from my mistakes. I believe that's what these mamas from Genesis are telling us today. That we need to stop and examine our heart. We need to stop comparing and we need to trust the Lord and we need to wait. We learn this beautiful example from, example from Hagar. And who was Hagar? In society's terms, she was the least of these. She was a servant. She was a slave. She was abused. She was used. However, she decided to listen to the Lord, to trust what he said, and to wait. Does this remind you of anyone else? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's the ultimate reason of how we're able to keep this promise because he is the promise. Jesus had to come as an infant and live 33 years knowing that he was being led to the cross, that he was gonna die a very painful and crucial, horrible death for you and for me, but he endured it. He endured the process and the pain and the heartache so that we, in our waiting, wouldn't have to feel hopeless. We find our hope in Jesus. The biggest lesson that I continue to learn when I look at these fencing swords and my amazing husband and we learn to work together is that I need to step back and examine my own heart. The goal isn't to win an argument in our relationships. It's not to get our point across. 
If we want healthy relationships, the goal has to be to see the heart of the other person and to allow them to see your own heart. In order to do that, we must remember that God is faithful. He is faithful to his word. Jesus Christ has given us the power to be able to rein in those feelings and to love well. And that's what we're called to, to love well in our relationships. Will you stand? As we continue in this relationship series, we are talking about all different types of relationships in general. And we can't escape from relationships. We're in them. We need to be in them. And relationships will bring conflict. But my challenge to you this week is before you point the finger before you say those words that you know you shouldn't say at work or at home with your kids, that you would take a step back, that you would remember the lessons that have been taught from the very first week that we need to know our God. He needs to be number one in our life. We need to know and love ourselves and love who God has created us to be. We need to be able to honor those in our life and those we're in relationship with. We need to be able to forgive. And today, we learn that we need to check our heart, examine what is the root. Do we have jealousy or envy in our life? And are we willing to lay it down at the cross? And if we can do that, then we'll be able to pick up our relationship sword and fight the good fight with the skills that we need. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that you don't uh, leave us to navigate life on our own, but God, you give us the tools, the resources, the map of life through your holy word. And God, I just pray over my friends this morning, God, that we would hunger and thirst for your word like never before. God, that we would see your word become active in our life and in our relationships. God, that this week that we would be slow to speak, quick to listen, God. That we would receive the things that we've learned and we would put them into practice. Lord, that these words would transform our relationships. Jesus, we trust you, we thank you. We thank you for the things that we have. We thank you for the people in our life, God. Help us to be good stewards of these relationships, God, to bring honor and glory to you through our relationships. Lord, we love you. In your precious name, amen.
Well, church, thank you for being here today. If you're with your mama, make sure you give her a hug. And remember that in the Gathering Center, we have special beverages for all the ladies. Whether you are a mama or not, you get a special drink. And we also have an awesome photo booth. So get those pictures taken. Bless you. We'll see you next week.